So this year is a year of the family. And we want to be teaching about what family looks like this morning. I just want you to be aware that this year is a year where God has highlighted to us from the 23rd of December that it's a year of change. There was a strong prophecy on the 23rd as we were worshiping at the end that there are changes coming to our nation. And I believe that there are winds of change politically that are going to come in our nation and even in the nations of the world. And when we see the changes that God wants to bring in the nations, we must also ask ourselves, Lord, what is the change you want to bring in me? Sometimes we can be so preoccupied by prophecies here and there that we don't see how God may be wanting to speak to us personally, even through those prophecies, and prepare us for change. And I believe God wants to bring change in all of us. It may not necessarily be a change in our external circumstances, but first, a change in our hearts. And making a decision to really be committed in relationships that God has brought into your life is one of the first places where you can take a decision to change. Amen. All right. What does family look like? So with this message, I really want us to see what family looks like and make a decision that we will all head in that direction as a church. Secondly, if there are any here this morning that you have not made a decision to be in the family of God, to be united with God and Jesus Christ, I want you to make a decision at the end of the sermon. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. What does family look like? Here we have Jesus at the Jordan, and he is waiting to be baptized by John the Baptist. After he goes into the water, verse 16 says, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. So here we see the Holy Spirit mentioned. Verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven. Now, whose voice was that? It was the heavenly father's voice. And the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So here we see the Trinity. And we understand that the Trinity is not just a dogma, a doctrine, a truth that we hold on to, that we are so careful to be saying, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yet we miss the point about the Trinity that it is really a family. The Father did not say, this is Jesus Christ. The Heavenly Father said, this is my beloved Son. So what does family look like? The picture is in the Trinity. Can you say Amen? Amen. See, God is three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they dwell in perfect harmony, that means in oneness. Now, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 also says that God is love. God is agape. So how does God dwell in oneness? 
Father is agape, Jesus is agape, the Holy Spirit is agape, and as they give perfect, unconditional love to one another, they come into oneness. Can you say Amen? Amen. So how the Trinity is able to dwell as one is because of agape love. It's because of love. They love one another. And as they love one another, they come into oneness, the oneness of the Trinity. And because of the oneness of the Trinity, they are able to give life and power to the world. So there's power in oneness. So here we see in the Trinity, the end result of agape, which is the nature of God, is oneness. So what does family look like? Do you want the answer? Family looks like oneness. This is a message that Pastor Peter preached at the last night of the Asia Harvest Alliance. And I just felt that it was very appropriate for our church also. And so I'm preaching that same message. What does family look like? It looks like oneness. See, in the beginning, God created man to be one with him. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27 says, Let us make man in our image, in our own likeness, God made them male and female. And we know in chapter 2 and chapter 3, that man had a union with God as one. Man and God were in relationship. Man and God were in union. It was a perfect union. God will come down and fellowship with man in the cool of the garden in the evening. But when man sinned, because man, instead of choosing God, man chose the knowledge of good and evil. Man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the moment Adam and Eve did that, man was separated from God. That oneness was broken. Amen. That oneness was broken. And that is why we know that the Father sent Jesus into the world with the message of agape, with the message of love. Why? So that that oneness can be restored. Whoever believes in Him will be reconciled back to the Father. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. That Christ has reconciled us back to the Father. True agape love. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So that those who believe in Christ today are one with God. One with God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Can you say one? Can you say one? Not two, but one. One spirit with him. Amen. We see in the scriptures that God also created man to be in oneness with one another. Adam and Eve, from the same person, God made two. And then he joined them back as one. And then when Jesus comes and says in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you agapao one another, if you give agape love to one another, what's the end result of agape love? Oneness. We see that in the Trinity. 
Because the father loves the son, and the son loves the father, and the spirit loves the son, and they love each other perfectly. There is nothing hidden. There is no politics in the Trinity. There is no gossip in the Trinity. There is no shame in the Trinity. There is complete transparency. And because they love one another, they dwell as one. The end result of agape love is one. Oneness. So Jesus is saying, if you will love one another in the same way that I have loved you, you will be known by the world as my disciples. In oneness, will be known as a family of God, as the disciples of Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Now here we're talking about agape love. There are four Greek words in the Bible that talk about love. There is Phileo love, which is a love between friends. There is storge love, which is family love or brotherly love. There is eros love, which is romantic love. But agape love is the God kind of love. That's a love that the world does not know. It came only with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. That agape love is what causes us to be one with one another. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 17 and I want us to see Jesus' prayer. If you have brought your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17, verse 20 to 23. I do not pray for these alone, that means the disciples that were with Jesus, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that means us. Because today we believe in Jesus through the words of Paul and Peter and James here in the Bible. So this is also talking about Faith Harvest Church. Come on, turn to a neighbor and say, this is talking about you. Verse 21, that they all may be one. Jesus prayed that all of us would be one. You know what one means? One means one. One does not mean two. One does not mean three. One is indivisible, undivided. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So the Trinity is our example of oneness. The Trinity is our example of family. Amen. That they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. So God wants to create in the body of Christ a family just like in the Trinity. Verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world, I want you to underline this next sentence, the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus said, when the body becomes one, the world will know that Jesus was sent by the Father. There is power in oneness. Can you say Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, the Trinity is our example of oneness and love. God wants to imprint that upon the church family. And when the church family dwells as one, Jesus said, that's powerful. Because the world, the sinners out there, people of other religions will see our oneness 
And they will come to the conclusion, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one sent by the Father. So let's ask ourselves this question. How does it look like to be in oneness as a church family? How does it look like to be in oneness as a church family? If you can look up there on the slide. How does it look like to be in oneness as a church family? How does it look like to be in oneness with people of a different tribe? How does it look like to be in oneness with someone who has different tastes for food, for fashion, for dressing? How does it look like to be in oneness for people who have different backgrounds, different economic backgrounds, different educational backgrounds? Some can't speak English. Some of you are excellent in English. How does it look like to be in oneness with someone who doesn't like you? Someone who's always criticizing you or someone with whom you're fighting every day? How does it look like to be in oneness with someone who ignores and rejects you? How does it look like to be in oneness with people that you don't like? How does it look like to be in oneness as a husband and wife when you're always fighting and quarreling? Amen. Because oneness is powerful. Oneness is the result of agape love. Oneness reflects the love of God. Look at verse 22. The glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. The key is in this verse. How can we dwell together in oneness? Jesus said, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them. What does the word glory mean? It comes from the Greek word doxa. Everyone said doxa. And the word doxa simply means having a good opinion. Write that down. It means having a good opinion, having a good view, having a proper judgment. So the word glory simply means to offer a personal opinion that gives value and honor. Offering a personal opinion of someone that gives them value, that gives them power, that gives them honor. Now question, what glory did the Father give Jesus? Remember in Matthew chapter 3 verse 17, what did the Father say about Jesus? You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That was God's opinion over Jesus. And that filled Jesus' heart with love and power that he was able to go out into the wilderness for 40 days and nights without food and water and overcome all the temptations of Satan. Why? Because the glory of the Father had so filled his heart, the opinion of the Father had so given him strength that he was drawn into oneness with the Father. He did not want to disobey the Father. He wanted to be obedient to the Father. Why? The Father's opinion drew Jesus' heart into oneness with Him. Have you ever felt that when somebody tells you, you look beautiful today, you're looking wonderful, you're amazing, you feel closer to them? Yes or no? Yes, your heart draws into oneness with them. But when somebody tells you, what's wrong with you? When the first word that comes out of the mouth is something negative, it doesn't lead us into oneness. It draws us further apart. 
Hallelujah. So, what glory, what opinion does the Father give to us today? Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 3 to 7. What is the opinion of the Father over us today? In Galatians chapter 3, this is what God thinks about you today. May you believe this and draw closer to the Father. I'm sorry, it's Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. Even so we, everyone say we, turn to your neighbor and say you and me. So it was talking about us. When we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. How many sons and daughters of God do we have? Raise your hands. Amen. Verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter. Amen. But let's just use what the Bible says. The Bible says, son, so you are a son. All the women say, I'm a son. And all the men say, I'm a bride of Christ. Come on, all the men say, I'm the bride of Christ. And all the women say, I'm a son of God. Because there is no gender in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Amen. You are a son. You are a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You are an heir of God. That is God's glory to you. That is God's opinion of you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you are a son and an heir of God. See, his view of you, if you would believe it, will draw you closer to God. It will draw you into oneness with God in relationship. So the question is this, how does it look like to live in oneness? And this is important because Jesus says, when the church lives in oneness, the world will know God and Jesus, and the world will confess that Jesus is the answer. I don't know about you. I don't know about the other nations of the world, but here in India, and even in Nagaland, the world is not looking to the church today and saying, Jesus is the answer. In fact, the world is looking to the church today and saying, the church is the problem. Not the answer. Are you getting the picture? Because they're seeing a church that is critical and judgmental and divisive and not seeing the agape that leads us into oneness. So the question is this, what kind of opinion are we giving to one another? What kind of glory are we giving to the other? Are our opinions or judgments giving value to one another, helping us come closer into one? Or are our opinions and views taking us further from the other? Are we being critical? Are we being judgmental of one another? How do we view ourselves? I want Hilika to come up and I want Kenny to come up quickly. Come up on the stage. 
And I also want to present this to enable us all to see in a very practical way how our views of one another may be developed. And many times it is not spoken, it is here and here. For example, turn around. The first time he sees her, maybe the first opinion that comes to his mind is, she is Sumi. She looks different from me. Alright? So the moment you have thought about this, and maybe she thinks he is Angami. I don't like Angamis. You may not say it, but many times you may be thinking it here. Amen. What does this mean? This means you are looking at one another from the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil is natural knowledge. It's what you see, what you hear, what you feel, sense knowledge. And you can look at someone and your senses, what you see, hear and feel, may tell you things that are good and evil about that person. Good points, weak points, strong points, negative points. You see all of that. When we judge each other from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it will lead to division. Between God and man, it happened in the garden. Even being among ourselves, it will happen. See, we have to learn to see each other in the tree of life. Who is the tree of life? Jesus Christ. So let's go to the next opinion. She never seems to smile home. You come to the church, she doesn't smile. So you are forming an opinion. He's always so moody. Many times you don't say it. I tell you, these are thoughts that many of us are having when you come into fellowship, Vanguard, when you come into Amplify, when you come into different fellowships. Many times people just come and they sit, but they don't grow into oneness, talking, engaging, relationship. We just come together. We are together because we are in the same church. We are forced to be together sometimes. We are here together, but there is no oneness in the heart because we are forming opinions of one another. He is so boring. I know that sometimes you are struggling with that opinion. She is not friendly. Alright? Now this is not about both of them, alright? <laughs> I'm talking about you. She has a very irritating voice. He is very slow, he's not smart. And we're not even talking about the negative things we talk about out there in the world like gossip or slander. These are things that are very common every day. Thoughts, feelings that come to your mind even in the church. She has a very irritating voice, alright? She's always so negative. I can't stand it. He never says hi to me. I don't like him. Let's be honest. Have you ever had this kind of thoughts and opinions about some people in this church? Raise your hands. All the honest people. All the others are lying, I know. Come on, raise your hands. When you have these thoughts and opinions, does your heart draw into oneness with that person? No. Because the next time you meet him, and you keep on thinking the same thing again and again, week after week, month after month, the next time you see that person on the street, you will say, ah, it's okay. We're from the same church, but no need to say hi. So you're drawing further apart. What are the opinions? Alright? So this is from the knowledge of good and evil. Our opinion should come from the tree of life. What's the tree of life? Can anyone tell me? Come on, you've been in this church, you don't even know? What's the tree of life? Huh? Jesus is the tree of life. 
Can you say Jesus is the tree of life? Amen. How do you get eternal life? By believing in Jesus. How do you get healed? By believing in Jesus. So Jesus is the tree of life today. Can you say amen? So we have to have opinions of one another from the tree of life. That means from Christ. So you see her in Christ. She's a daughter of God. Overlook all the negatives. See her in Christ. That means you have to see each other in the spirit. Paul says in Corinthians, no longer do we judge Christ in the flesh, but in the spirit. That means he's also saying, we do not judge one another. We do not give opinions of one another. We don't view one another in the flesh, but in the spirit. So you should not be saying, he's Sema, he's Angami, he's described. No. But yes, they are. But look beyond that. Amen. He is loved by Christ and therefore valuable. That is how we must view each other. He has a great smile. All right. She is very faithful in the church. See each other in Christ. She has the gift to serve and love people. He is always willing to serve whenever called upon. When you form the right opinion of someone, it draws you closer to that person. Amen. It draws you into oneness. She is really anointed in prayer. He has a heart and a calling for the nations and a gift of healing. And that is why it's important for us to hear the word that God gives to each other, the prophecies over each other, the destinies of each other. See, don't just see each other as, oh, he's tall, he's short, he's Naga, he's educated, he's Bengali, he's, uh, you know, BTH, he plays guitar. No, see the anointing, the gift, the destiny on that person in Christ. Amen. We judge ourselves by the cover too much. We don't judge ourselves by the potential. We don't view ourselves by the potential that is in every one of us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The power of God is in you. Every one of you is a powerful person. Can you say amen? But you don't see that. You see the size. Sometimes you see that they don't speak English well. Sometimes you see that, oh, he's too rich and I cannot be a friend with him. And because of our views and opinions, we are being divided. The tree of life is how we must see each other. This means we must value one another in Christ. We must give opinions that add value. Not opinions that tear down, but opinions that give strength to that person. Not only in your thoughts and mind. It starts here, but we must begin to speak it forth into their lives. Hallelujah. See, how does it look like to be in oneness with yourself? Do you know that you are spirit, soul, and body? That means even you, as a human being, you are a triune human being. You have a mind, you have a body, and you have a spirit, the inner man on the inside. And God has even created the human being to be one. Not three different parts, but one. Amen. And when the human being is one, what does it look like for a human being to be in oneness? It looks like a man who is peaceful on the outside, 
inside, I'm sorry, peaceful on the inside, prosperous in the mind, and prosperous in every area of his life. Third John verse 2. So, what are the opinions that you have of yourself? How does it look like to be in oneness with yourself? What is the opinion you have of yourself? If you will view yourself from the tree of life, that means from your background, from your race, from your looks, from your education, from your money, from your occupation, you will say sometimes I'm hopeless or we are hopeless as a people. Not as we are backward, you know, we are backward. You will say I'm a reject. Some of you may even be fatherless. So you say I'm fatherless. I'm not good enough. I'm very stupid. I'm slow. I'm guilty. You are seeing yourself from yourself. And that is why people are confused. Because your spirit man knows you belong to God. Your spirit man knows you are created in the image of God. But your mind is saying, I am hopeless. Your mind is saying, I am not good enough. Because you are viewing yourself from not from Christ, but from your own background, your past, your lack, your weaknesses. So your mind and your spirit is confused. And so you have a human being who is confused, who is depressed. Sometimes even mental problems because of guilt. You have a Christian who is walking in inferiority. And when you have this confusion, even your body begins to respond to your thoughts and you get sick. What does it look like a Christian who knows he is loved by God unconditionally. He has received agape love every day. What does it look like? It looks like a human being who is in oneness. Mind, body, soul in perfect harmony, in oneness. And when you see that person, you see a stable Christian. You see a strong Christian. You see, a solid Christian, why? A Christian has become one, spirit, soul, and body. He's peaceful in his heart. His mind is at rest. He's not comparing himself with others. He's not trying to be running the rat race. He is trusting in Christ, and his body is healthy. Oneness. So you must view yourself in Christ. Every day, give yourself the opinion, I am forgiven, I am righteous, I am loved, I am accepted, I am blessed, I am precious, I am worthy, I am valuable, I am strong. Unless you give yourself a good opinion, you will not be in oneness here. Always restless in conflicts. Thank you. Give them a warm hand if you can kindly collect. So we must see each other in Christ. Thank you. Oneness is powerful. Through oneness, we are able to bless the world. A human being in Christ come to a place of oneness, maturity and strength. He can deliver life and power and love to the world. A church family in oneness can release life and love and power to the world. It's not a very complicated message. 
But if you practice it, I tell you, it would draw us into oneness with one another. Why? This is a spiritual law. Whatever we speak for draws us to that. Whatever we speak against divides us. How does it look like to live in oneness with the world? See, in our culture, in Nagaland, we were brought up with a view that the Indians are our enemy. Any Indians here? Come on, all you Indians, raise your hands. You hold an Indian passport. All right? But we were, born and we were brought up in that environment in the 70s, I'm saying in the 80s, that the Indians are our enemy. By the way, if you're watching this from other part of Nagaland, we love India. This is just an example. All right? We grew up with a bad opinion of people from mainland India, that they are bad people, they're evil, they're cheaters, and so on. Because of the way that our culture and our society was. So when we engaged with them, with that view and with that opinion, have you ever engaged with an Indian with that opinion? Yes, we have many times. In fact, students, when they go outside, when we leave the borders of Nagaland, we engage with them in that view. It does not lead to oneness, it leads to separation. In fact, that view even causes us to behave hostile towards them. I remember when we were in college and school that many chinky friends, I'm also chinky, all of us are chinkies, many chinky friends that the moment they would see an Indian, suddenly they get hostile, they want to fight immediately. Why? Your opinion. It's our opinion. That guy was the most gentle mainland Indian. And yet our views and our opinions causes us to act in behavioral ways that bring division and not oneness. Are you getting the picture? I remember how God began to show me this. I did not understand this principle of oneness, but I was already practicing this in certain areas of my life. I was traveling many times. I remember about six to seven years back, the Lord began to teach me this and I would practice it every time I go out I'm in Calcutta or Delhi in the airport and I'm there, lines along, immigration, lines along, people are bumping into each other and you know where in those places people just cut lines, people are rude, people are arguing, shouting and people are like, you know, it was a crazy place. And sometimes when you're going asking questions, you want to be ticketed and sometimes they act like they ignore you because you look different. And then they're giving preference to other people and you're feeling a little mad on the inside. So you want to not fight for your rights. You want to argue a little bit. So when I was going through that particular situation, I remember about six, seven years back, something in my heart, the Lord began to say, view them through grace. Don't view them the way they are. See them through my eyes. I gave my life for them. I died for them. They are valuable to me. I love them. So internally, I began. I did not do it because my heart was just so filled with love towards them, all right? I did it because I was getting so stressful and so anxious there that for my own good, that I would be in peace myself, I began to intentionally from within form an opinion of them. The person in front of me, 
I began to think from my heart towards him, God loves you. God sacrificed his son for you. I began to pray for them in silence from within my heart. He's valuable. God loves them. And I began to think towards them with the opinion of grace that this person is valuable. Sometimes they look so irritating, but this person is beautiful. Sometimes they're so argumentative. This person Jesus died for. And as I began to do that, suddenly I began to see that there was a return of favor towards me from those people. That there would be a sudden, you know, act of pleasantness from them. A sudden change in their behavior. Kindness would be shown by them towards me. And preference, even in the ticketing, would be shown towards me when I began to form those opinions of them. Because my opinions of value towards them, even without speaking to them in the spirit realm, drew me into oneness with them. I remember last year, my wife and I were in the house of a cabinet minister, controversial, maybe even corrupt. We were there in his house. And as we were conversing, I was looking for that one point where I can give an opinion of value to him. I do not agree with everything he's doing. I do not agree with his lifestyle. But I wanted to be there to bring Christ to him. So I was waiting and looking for that opportunity where I could give an opinion of value to him. And as he was talking, suddenly it occurred to me. My eyes were open and I saw he had a gift on his life for leadership. He had charisma for leadership. He had boldness for leadership. It was God-given. Maybe he was using it in a different way, but he had a genuine gift of leadership on his life. So as we were talking, I said to him, you know, I see this gift of leadership upon your life. I see that you have this potential to really make an example in Nagaland. I see that you have been given grace by God in this area. And as I said that, the atmosphere in the room changed. The presence of God came and filled that place. And he said, let us pray. And we prayed. And as we prayed, we were able to prophesy over him. Why? When we form the right opinion over someone, it draws us into oneness. When we come into oneness, the gift that's all my life can flow to you. So when the church enters into oneness with the world, we don't go out criticizing the world, judging the world for its sins, telling them you are an alcoholic, you will go to hell. You are a corrupt officer, God's going to judge you. No, we don't say that to the world, even though they are. We must look for something wherein I can enter into oneness with that person. We must look for some opinion that we can give of value to them because that will connect us to them. When we are connected, wow, we are powerful because we can speak into their lives. But we can't speak into their lives. Why? Because we have been pointing our fingers at them and criticizing them and judging them. When they see oneness, they will recognize that Jesus is the answer. Very simple message, but powerful. If you and I will practice it from today. We all come to church. 
No one gets an opportunity to talk much because I'm the one who's talking all the time. But I know inside, within you, you are thinking so many thoughts about that person and this person and that person and about that leader. I know because I was also in your place before. Are your opinions opinions of value? Opinions that give glory? Or are your opinions opinions that tear down? Even towards the church, is the opinion of the church opinions of value or opinions that are tearing down? Because the more opinions you have about the church that is negative, that is tearing down, that doesn't have value, the further your heart will go from the church. And that is why offense. Satan wants to create offense in your heart towards the church, towards the leaders towards other believers. Because the moment offenses come, you will only see the fault in that person. You will only see the negative in that person. You will only see what you don't like and you will ignore hundreds of things he does right and you will see only the one thing he does not do right. And you will keep on saying that and you will keep on saying that and your opinion will develop and the more your heart is offended, it draws you further and further and further and further and further away from whom you are offended. So what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to destroy oneness. In the marriage, he's trying to destroy oneness, husband and wife. In you, he's trying to destroy oneness. How? Guilt and condemnation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are. You must believe it. Your spirit man knows you are righteous, but he will come and speak to your mind. Look at what you did yesterday. Look at how you are behaving and your mind will be thinking you are a sinner while your spirit man says, I am righteous. You are divided. And when you are divided, you are powerless. So Satan is a master in feeding you with thoughts and opinions and suggestions that create division between people, even with your own self and also with the world. If you will learn to live in oneness, I tell you, we will step into an immeasurable power from God in our hearts, in our own families, among our friends, in the church family, so that we become a powerful agent to bring heaven to earth. We'll be a powerful agent to bring life, power, and love to the world. And it all begins with a simple decision to form the right opinion in Christ of the other person. Give opinions of value. Give a judgment of value to the other. Sometimes you can come up after the service and tell the worship band how blessed you are that they are always leading worship every Sunday and you're blessed through the music. How many of us have done that? For years, they've been doing it. Have you come and given them an opinion of value? Sometimes we're so concerned about ourselves that after the service, we just want to run home. We need to give life to one another. It does not necessarily mean we will be staying back one hour after the service. It could be just 10 minutes more. Have you ever gone to any of the ushers that usher so faithfully, sweeping the floor, keeping the bathrooms clean so that we can have a wonderful worship experience? Have you given them an opinion of value? 
I appreciate you. I thank you for what you are doing. That's an opinion of value. It will draw us into oneness. I'm not saying that we should do something major, that you must drop everything we're doing and really enter into a huge, major spiritual exercise that we become one. No. I'm just giving you a very simple suggestion. Just a subtle shift of your mental outlook. Give opinions to others that give them value and strength, that bless them. And I tell you, that simple exercise that we do will be powerful in drawing us into oneness. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.